Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings citizens, you damn dirty apes. <laughs> Welcome to our show. This is the sci-fi movie podcast. We get together, we've watched the movie and we talk about it. And one of the franchises that we have been slowly working through every once in a while we've been coming back to is Planet of the Apes, and we've done the five original films now. We took a bit of a break after the fifth one, because there was a, a break in real life, you know, there was a big gap between the fifth film and then this, this remake, which we're going to discuss today. This is the 2001 Planet of the Apes remake, directed by Tim Burton. I'm just going to get out there right away. I can't stand Tim Burton as a filmmaker. I hate his work. I also kind of hate Mark Wahlberg, who's the star of this film. So this movie was like, I don't know, worst case scenario. It's like the worst case scenario for me get into a movie. I was not looking forward to this. Uh, I was not looking forward to seeing this all the way. Because I, I, I remember seeing like maybe the opening half hour or something on TV, like back in like 2003 or so. You know, whenever it was like more readily, readily on TV, uh, I saw a little bit of it and went, this is shit. And didn't watch the rest of it uh had you seen this before Mm -hmm. i saw this in theaters wow Mm -hmm. and maybe like one other time like when it came to hbo or something but it's been a long time Mm, so but unfortunately we have to get through this if we are to get to the better films that came later Mm mm-hmm so that that was the that that was basically the only way Tara sold me on doing this was that this was the the gatekeeping film to get to more interesting things. So here we are today. We'll start spoiler free as we often do. And if you have seen the original film but haven't seen this, there are things to spoil. This is not a one to one remake of the original. There are differences, and the twist that's famous in the original is not in this one it's a there's there's different it's got its own twists and turns but it's not the same story exactly so there are spoilers to be had we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers but uh we'll we'll get into it uh i mean the premise is kind of similar obviously we have an astronaut played by mark Wahlberg, who crash lands on a planet of apes uh where humans are well they're not quite the same as the one in the original we'll get into that when we talk about the differences but uh they are set the apes are in control the apes are in power and he has to try and find his way back to his, his station his ship because uh, that's the thing is that he, they're not in some like elix, you know exploratory like because in the original film it's this like okay we're astronauts doing this like sort of like the new frontier we're going out to discover things this isn't quite the same thing in that this ship or space station has got a big staff this is a normal thing for them in this future of 2029 20, which is actually really soon now <laughs> like really are we going to have this type of spaceship in eight years come on <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe uh bezos will make a penis shaped station out by jupiter <laughs> but uh you know mark Wahlberg uh does some reckless stuff ends up on this planet and we have our one sort of like intelligent you know regular human being although it's mark Wahlberg, so yeah shaky ground there but uh compared to the other humans on the planet anyway and he has to deal with the fact that the apes are all talking they're all smart they're in control they've got armies they've got military 
And we have a lot of famous actors in the ape roles in this one, which are still makeup, although it's Rick Baker doing the makeup now. So the makeup is a lot more advanced than the original films, but obviously nowhere near the, the realistic CGI that we get in the, the newer trilogy. So kind of a weird middle ground. It's like right at the tail end of when they'd still do it this way, right before things would have changed. I mean, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was a decade after this. It was exactly a decade. Uh, in terms mm-hmm. of years, so uh, interesting stuff. But uh, I guess we have to talk about it. Tara, what do you think of Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes? I don't have the same like visceral hatred towards Tim Burton as you do, <laughs> or Mark Wahlberg for that matter. I like him in his uh, I like the Peter Berg Mark Wahlberg collaborations. And, um, I mean, I like Boogie Nights and I like, I mean, I, I think I like Rockstar. It's been a long time. That's early Mark Wahlberg. But, uh, I do also really love Planet of the Apes, the original one. <laughs> and, which, yeah, it means I'm going to not like this one very much. I do agree that the, the makeup or the costume is, I think are actually pretty good. The makeup is well done in this film. Because it mm-hmm. is very much just a a better version of the 1968 version of that. Um, and there are some things I really like in the movie. Like, I do really like Tim Roth. I think he, like, he really committed. And he's, he's, the, he's, you know, the, he's the main villain in this. Yeah, he's threatening. And I think he's good in it. Um, none of the humor lands for me. And they really no. try to do a lot. Um, None of the humor lands. Uh, and on, on the makeup, I agree, it's generally obviously a lot better and mm-hmm. is doing probably the best that makeup alone could do. And Although I'm sure there's a little bit of CG here or there to, to help things, but um, what stuck out to me, though, is not so much the quality of the makeup. Like, you know, Rick Baker obviously is very good at what he does. Him and his team made a point of trying to make it seamless and look like they're really other animals or they're not, they're not human beings. Uh, there are a couple of design choices which are, aren't really his fault. They're more just directorial choices that I don't like about how some of the apes. I look. don't. Yeah, I don't like like the human hair on yes. some of the females. I hated that. Like, <laughs> it's it's not quite the level of that recent Cats movie, but there's the one like sort of like you know, Real Housewife style ape character who's mm-hmm. like talking about getting her hair done that she was weirding me out like this was like some this this was like the weird tim burton like quality to this where it was like oh we're gonna do some weird like oh it's like a, a you know a human woman from the 60s like getting her hair done and talking about and she's acting all sexy and stuff. It, it was weird and a bit uncanny valley and uh yeah. i hate that sure. i hate that but yeah yeah but that that's less the quality of the makeup and more the the, the choice of how to present them so yeah although the 68 version also had like human hair it just was always slicked back in a way that you couldn't really it's not styled like something familiar you know but zero definitely had like human hair sure but but the costumes were of a standard though that the Mm -hmm. hair just kind of fit with it whereas this was like more realistic kind of ape mouth and all that but with like this weird, like, ultra-treated hair as if it's a salon, which was actually kind of weird just in the context of, like, the technology of this world because they don't have guns yet. They don't have, like, TVs yet. They're very much in a kind of 
medieval-esque right. kind of like place in so terms they, of technology they and science. shouldn't have hair dryers yet, is what no. you're trying to say. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They shouldn't have salons yet. <laughs> they should have, <laughs> like, I don't know. They have makeup also. Uh, the females are wearing eye makeup. I'll, I'll buy a little bit of makeup. I'll buy the, that that probably existed. I guess it's true. Like, even in ancient Egypt, they had yeah. cosmetics. Admittedly, some of it was probably very bad for your skin and dangerous because no one was doing any scientific <laughs> testing or anything but i mean well actually one of the one of the ingredients that's used is still used today for cosmetics is uh they use a, a beetle a red beetle that gets crushed and it makes a red pigment and it's just crushed tiny red beetles mm. i think they use that in egypt it's still used today for a lot of red dyes and lipsticks and stuff mm-hmm. i don't use it because that's disgusting <laughs> Yes, the more the more you know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So you don't like the movie then? That's the point. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some things I like in it, but um, I, I wouldn't say I all that hate it. But yeah, it's it's not good and it's not. And <laughs> I mean, I know what they're trying to do with the with the the big twist at the end, but it still makes you go like, wait, oh. how does this work? <laughs> no, and so we'll be talking about that ending, though you are. Yeah, the ending is a bit, uh, it's confusing, but it's also, like, I, I mean, I know, like, they want to top, because the, the first one is so known for its ending and the big twist that they had to do something, right? And we know that this is not the same type of scenario that our lead is in, so, like, they had to do something and they went with a direction that, I don't know, it, it's just... I needed some help to figure out what was going on. And I still don't know if I believe it. <laughs> now, we'll talk about it. I uh, saw some, I was talking to someone on Twitter about it uh, and heard like what the the given reason why it works is. So we can discuss that and th- what the film actually presents to us and what does and doesn't make sense. Yeah. This was meant to stuff. be the beginning of a trilogy. That's oh, what I'm, I heard also. I, I'm not surprised. This felt like sequel bait all over. All I could see in this was sequel bait, uh, the ending. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do hate it. I hate it for a, a lot of reasons. It's not always full on Tim Burtony, but I can definitely like the humor feels super Tim Burton and some of the weird choices, but the, the quirkier choices mm-hmm. and like how some of the apes like. Because on the one hand, it feels like it's you know it starts off trying to be a more serious science fiction film. The font of the opening titles is very like that. This could almost be an alien like opening. Like with this text on the space background or something, but then like, you get into the ape stuff and it's okay. It's a dark world. Like I, I almost didn't believe there was any daylight in this planet because we spent so much at night until like halfway through the movie where you tell you to finally get a daytime scene. But then there's like these weird bits of humor and these weird things that don't make any sense for the purpose of the jokes they're doing. That just called into question the world and everything around it. Um, there's changes to like just core mythology things from the original, which is fine if you're going to do like a new version of something, you shouldn't be well, afraid. Well, also, it is adapted from a book, so it could be more close to the book. I mean, I, mean, it, I, mean, I don't know if it is, I don't know if it is or it isn't, um, but I don't have the book to compare it to. I have the movie, the original, to compare it to. And some of the changes they made in this are quite baffling to me because it kind of makes some of it not work in the way... In the, like, so, so the example I'll give you here, I guess it's a spoiler to say, is that the humans can talk in this right the humans like, and I, it, they sort of like hide that for a little bit because they're all kind of quiet even mark Wahlberg, for some reason is like just like 
It, it is, there's no reason why it should be quiet. It's not like he's got a hurt throat, like, <laughs> like in the original film. Uh, he's just kind of oddly quiet as he's taken... Oh, this is a bit weird. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut for a little while and see see what's what. Um, yeah. Uh, but, so, it kind of establishes, no, they can talk, and they have tribes, and they're kind of... And they're kind of impressed that Mark Wahlberg's a little bit smart. Like, he, he does a few tricks or something. They're like, oh, he's kind of smart. Uh, but for the most part, I, I didn't quite understand why they were still as caveman-esque as they are given that they're all talking and they're in tribes and there's even even like it all kind of felt like to me that this because in the original film you could totally get why they've been herded like cattle because they can talk uh they can do simple basic tasks in the same way that humans in the real world might use an ape or a monkey for certain things uh whatever yeah that was a big theme in the in the first film Right, so so that 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 made some amount of sense. In this though, I actually started like critiquing the humans for not being like. Why isn't there some sort of resistance? Like, I I get that the apes can still be in power, and I get that the apes are the ones with the the more dominant force, and the other ones like that are being uh, oppressed. You know, the humans that is. But like, why is it this like? caveman is still like it doesn't make any sense they're, they're talking to each other they're clearly smarter than this this i don't think this movie is doing the animal rights um angle there's a little bit of it here and there but i think this version is very much just like the racism angle like the humans are the slaves i mean there's some very like close terms and terminology and language in this film that's close to you know what we think of when we think of slave owners and that's i think that's the only angle that they're going with in this film yeah but no one seemed to be like wanting to fight everyone just seemed to like this was just the way this is the way this world is because this is what the movie demands it be rather than you know if it feels like there should be some sort of group that has escaped and working on plans to either attack or free other people or do something it felt like this is just the status quo because this is what the movie wants the status quo to be it yeah. doesn't make any I mean, sense the human, the human characters are all boring like oh they're all, all yeah they're all painfully boring the the female the the nova in this one is especially just <laughs> she's just there to be hot in a bikini <laughs> are you, <laughs> are you saying she was not cast for her acting capabilities is that what you're saying Oh boy! No, she was not. <laughs> you also have not Jeff Bridges. Uh, oh, Chris Christopherson. Yeah, like he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> it's sound... so funny to see him in a movie. Yeah, he doesn't sound. I know he's been acting forever, but I still think of him as singer first. He doesn't sound anything like Jeff Bridges, but when he's got this beard, like he does in this movie, he looks like Jeff Bridges. Uh, like not at the time he looks like an older Jeff Bridges yeah I don't know but... I think it's more Jeff Bridges has copied the Chris Christopherson look if you ask me what that, this asshole who was Whistler in the Blade movies nah 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 <laughs> I'm not having this <laughs> I I haven't been a fan of, of Jeff Bridges since he turned all Rooster Cogburn like permanent Rooster Cogburn and you're a big fan of Chris Christopherson? <laughs> What's he done? I mean, no, not really. I mean, he's fine, I guess. The 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 bald-headed actor in who's in the human group has got like the big bulgy eyes. I don't know his name. He's the that guy. He's from the Mummy. That's why I know him from. He's in the Mummy. Oh, he's in the Mummy. I always think of it's it's so lame, but I always think of him as the a guy from 
an episode of Star Trek Enterprise because <laughs> he's in the first season and the episode's not great. I think it's called like Terra Nova or something. And it's, he's just got such a unique look that that's what I go to. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, I don't know. It just like, I had, I had a problem. Like, it, it felt like having them talk just introduced more problems to the narrative than it helped. Mm-hmm. Because um, basically, when they start talking to Mark Wahlberg and they start asking where he's from, and Mark, Mark Wahlberg is like saying, "Oh, what is this? Like, why is it like this here and stuff?" Like, they don't have a good answer. <laughs> there's no, there's no good answer. They, they just kind of like waffle on, and like nothing's really said or explained in in, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's all a bit murky. Uh, so, th- like, the entire foundation for everything's really shaky. We mentioned some of the cast. We should probably talk about them a little bit more. Um, obviously get Mark Wahlberg, who's just playing Mark Wahlberg, he doesn't everything. Uh, Say hi to your mother for me. Uh, he's not good. Um, we have Tim Roth as the main villain, who's like this angry general dude. His second in command is played by Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, you can recognize his voice quite quickly. Uh, you also have Paul Giamatti as, uh, a slave trader character. He's like a little sleazy dude. Yeah. Even as a, as an ape, he looks just like himself. You could tell it was him. You totally could. Yeah. Uh, David Warner's got a small role. I believe his name is David. Yes, I'll do any part you ask, for Warner. Don't you besmirch the actor of The Secret of the Use, okay? <laughs> With comments like that. I rest Thank my case. <laughs> uh, it's a Tim Burton movie, so obviously Helena Bonham Carter's in there uh, as the sort of the lead female eight. she's the she's the zero though that's she, not her name but. no she's ari but she's, she's sympathetic towards humans and clearly wants a bit of that Wahlberg. yeah kind of there's <laughs> yeah i mean i'm glad there's no real romance between Wahlberg and the blonde lady because it, the romance is clearly between <laughs> between the ape lady and and marky mark mm. uh we also have uh carrie hirayaka Tagawa, whose name obviously I'm not used to saying, but that is actually Shang Tsung from the Mortal Kombat movie. He's the ape that uh, kind of sticks with uh, Ari and looks out for her. He's, mm-hmm. He sort of comes, yeah, crawl, yeah. He comes along for the trip, uh, and I did because I was because I saw him in the credits when I was looking at IMDb because you know the, the movie's pretty boring. All lot stretched. I was looking at IMDb and like seeing who was in it and stuff. Um, this is this is a, I mean it's only two hours, right? It's not really that long a movie, but it feels like a long movie. They pack uh, a lot into it. Yeah. Um, and there's a few like that guy or girl's faces at the start on the ship and things like that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's got like a... It's actually got a more notable cast, perhaps, than the better films that would come later. And I guess at the time, a lot of people were fans of the series, really got excited about being in it. I, you know, I, I can imagine Paul Giamatti and Tim Roth being like, excited about being apes and a Planet of the Apes movie. They probably were sure. thrilled about the idea. And I think this is around the time of the turn of Tim Burton. Like, I know you don't like his early work, but, you no. know, a lot of people are big fans of his earlier films, and I think this is, like, the beginning this of is the, the one. turn. Well, yeah. this, is, this is the first one that was, uh, was like, a remake or something like that, right? Because he did this, and then it was only a few years later he was doing The Chocolate Factory, and then, you know, he did that Vampire TV show reboot one 
You did Sleepy Hollow, I think, before this. Also. Sleepy Hollow was, yeah, Sleepy Hollow. People do like that. I mean, I don't like it, but people do like Sleepy Hollow. Oh, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm neutral on it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, but, but t- Tim Burton <laughs> fans do like Sleepy Hollow. We're, but there is definitely a lot of Tim Burton fans who will stick up for Sleepy Hollow and most of what came before it, but won't really stick up for anything that came after it, more or less. Yeah. That that feels, you're right, this is kind of, it's that film to this film that seems to be the, the turn of Tim Burton mm-hmm. for people for people who did like his work. I mean, I, I don't like any of his work. I'm just not a fan of his style. Oh come on, Edward's pretty good. Okay, pretty Ed, great. I'd say Ed, Ed, Edward's not bad, but Edward's kind of a weird case though, where the story is about such a quirky guy that it it's the story of that person's just good enough that he can't it, ruin it's it. It's really not that Tim Burtony. I mean, I guess it it kind of is a little bit in his casting and his um some of the look of the film, but it is very much like I just want to make. A movie about this guy and make it real mm-hmm. yeah uh and i i do like his earlier stuff like it's been a long time since i've seen it but i i do i think i like edward scissorhands and beetlejuice it's but the funny thing is, is i wouldn't even say that i feel tim burton's like influence that much like I, I, like the comedy there's a section in the I middle i know i like peewee's big adventure sure there's a section in the middle that i definitely feel the influence quite a bit for the most part, though, it just feels like he's a really bad fit for this movie. Like, given the fact that we're doing this kind of almost more of a war movie where it kind of turns into, like, you know, the apes versus the humans and Mark Wahlberg possibly inspiring the humans to, like, stand up for themselves or some shit. It just, it feels like a bad fit for him where nothing really, and, you know, when there's action sequences or big fight sequences, they feel just kind of dull. And... Even the, like, sci-fi stuff in the, in the beginning of the film doesn't feel like, no. it feels wrong that it's him. Yeah, it's, it's almost like when De Palma does the Mission to Parks film. Mm. It's kind of a similar feeling. Like, this just isn't your style. That's. I mean, I enjoy Mission to Mars more than this. So that was more interesting <laughs> as a movie. I think uh, it was an interesting one. I'll give it you. Was, that. It was obviously it was very flawed. I'm, I'm not saying it was good, but like at least there was like ah, oh, there's some interesting ideas in here, and he's doing, he's doing something different and. I mean, yeah, I guess Tim Burton. But I think the problem is, is that a lot of the sci-fi stuff at the start feels very derivative because, and because he has no like connection with that type of material himself, he's kind of just going through the motions of what like other movies have presented, like you know, what a spaceship and the aesthetic and uh, like it's all those little yeah. things. It feels like I he's can, just sort of well, I can see notes. him being a fan of the original one. Oh, for sure, yeah. But um, this does seem very lost in space film for movie version of that. Sure. In a way. It looks kind of similar when you get into like the spaceship stuff. So it seems like this is just what sci-fi movies look in this time. (laughs) So you'll just have to make a sci-fi movie and here's what you're working with. I mean, we don't. Luckily, we don't spend that much time on the space station. We we don't know. Uh, that said, though, I would probably still rather watch the Lost in Space movie than watch this again. <laughs> I, should, I don't know. Bad CGI monkey. Oof. I mean, it's not again. It's not good. It's definitely not good. But Although, ha- uh, what's his face from um, Chernobyl is in it. Our our lead guy from Chernobyl. Our lead guy. Yeah. Not Skarsgård, but the other one, the other comrade, Jared Harris. Yes, <laughs> he's in Lost he's in Space. He's in the Lost in Space movie. Yeah, I don't remember him being and Lost Gary in Space. And Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, Doctor Smith. I know Gary Oldman's in it. I know William Hurt's in it. William Hurt. 
Matt LeBlanc from Friends is in it, and then Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Like I, I can name you like a lot of that cast. Is but, it Mimi Rogers? Also? Mimi, Ro- Mimi Rogers is the mom. Yeah. Who's who's Jared Harris? Uh, it's a spoiler to say. Okay. We'll just have to watch it. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, it's on the to-do list. It's on the, <laughs> we ha- I mean, we've done a lot of other William Hurt sci-fi. We have to cap it off. With we, have to, we can make it top 10 soon. <laughs> He's not done 10. <laughs> He's done like four. We can do a top four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lost of Space might be last place. Although, think of the controversy if we put uh, above Dark City. Think of the controversy. Mm. Or Altered States. Uh... Alter States wasn't terrible. It just wasn't as I, I think good Alter- as I remembered. Alter States wasn't a bad movie. I mean, it definitely wasn't a perfect movie. But I, uh, look, if I'm going to make a, a guess right now, I would say that Alter States is better than the Lost in Space movie. <laughs> just <laughs> based on my memories of both. I'm going to go out and all and see it. Uh, but if you want I can't to believe g- I remember so much about that film, and I only saw it once in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a few times. I mean, I was, I was a little bit younger. So I think I saw... Graham. I saw a lot on cable. Nah, I wasn't really that any hologram. Oh, well. Plus, I was like ten. I wasn't. I was. You know, <laughs> I hadn't quite reached that. I'm going to watch movies because I like the actress in it. <laughs> <laughs> she is special, though. Actually, that's not true. I'm pretty sure I was watching certain things over and over again when I was like eight because <laughs> I thought someone was hot. <laughs> I didn't understand it at the time, of course. I just kind of oh, I can't wait. Keep watching this. <laughs> Something about this. Something, something just drawing me into this this movie experience, uh, which is well, something that this movie does not have. <laughs> is anything drawing me into the movie experience? So, um, as, as far as anything else spoiler free to talk about, I mean, yeah, obviously we'll talk about the ending and all that. I'll just say the ending is just an absurd twist upon a twist. Like, there's actually like a lot of reveals that come a little bit earlier that are so choreographed and it's not it's not necessarily bad that you can see them coming because if the pieces are there for them to happen that's fine but it's, it's almost like frustrating that the movie even thinks that it's a reveal by the time it tells you anything and I th- you, if you're a fan of the first one and of particular lines all the famous ones get used in this one again <laughs> Sure, sure. And if you've ever seen any science fiction of any kind, you're going to see every reveal. Except the last one, because the one at the very end is so nonsensical that you'll never see that coming. Uh, Well, kind of. It's it's, it's a weird thing where you won't see it coming because it makes sense, but there's a a couple of moments like before you see the thing where I think you sort of, your brain goes, they they want to try and have a moment that's like the ending of the original. So I can kind of see what they're about to do, even though I know it makes no no sense. And I can't wait to see if they try and justify it. And then, of course, it happens. And it's like, we're going to I think they're going to justify it with a sequel. Sequel, yes. Yeah. And thankfully, thankfully this killed the franchise for a decade until we got uh, something else. (laughs) Something much better. So, yeah. Okay, I guess we'll talk about it. Full spoilers. Full spoilers from this point on for Planet of the Apes. Um... I guess the first thing we have to talk about is a lead character. His name's Leo, apparently, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Bright eyes. He's not bright eyes. <laughs> it's not in this. Uh, Mark Wahlberg in this movie is so unlikable uh, from the get-go, right? So, they do this thing... And not like Charlton Heston unlikable. No, no, no. Not like that. So, he does this thing at the start of the movie where they're on a ship and he's part of... He's one of the pilots, but he's helping the person who looks after the, the chimps 
because they basically use chimps and this is kind of you know harkening back to you know real things with you know nasa and stuff but they use the chimps as kind of uh like initial test pilots for dangerous situations so they train the chimp to operate this little pod and go out and they they, they, yep. they encounter this big space travel so easy even a monkey can do it now they encounter this big storm in space and one of the first real critiques I'd have of the movie is that I don't think they actually set up enough of a threat with a storm that they're in any danger. Because, yeah, the, the captain who's running the thing kind of goes, oh, this could be, you know, nasty if we get too close to it. But the way they go about investigating, it's like, ah, send out a chimp. Like, everyone's just kind of like, oh, this is just by the book. It's just, you know, this is a normal... <laughs> send a chimp. <laughs> Right, but that, that that that's 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 the attitude though. That that, that is the attitude yeah. of this part of the movie. Like they don't treat this like, oh, we're in danger and we're all going to die if we don't find a way to get around this. There's there's no like problem to solve, which is why it's extremely frustrating when Mark Wahlberg, for no reason, I, I guess to save the chimp that they think might be lost because he's went through the, the the storm and he's the you know they've lost contact with him. It was either that or he was just upset that they would send a chimp to do a man's job. Yeah. So he makes a selfish choice. He claims that he's just going to go do some simulations, but he actually launches a pod and then gets, uh, you know, lost in the storm himself and ends up, you know, going through a wormhole or whatever and lands on the planet he's going to be on. Um, I don't want to jump ahead too much. I don't want to talk about it yet. We'll get there when we get there. But I just want to point out that this thing gets the entire crew of the ship killed his selfish act to go and do this on his own against orders gets every other person killed ultimately i just want to point that out right now before i forget to mention it because i, I just, that's how much of a dickbag this character is and there's no reason to like him like as soon as he lands he doesn't do anything to help anyone he doesn't do anything to help any apes in need to show that he's compassionate or anything like that he just he's all about himself and getting back to his ship and doesn't care about this world and that that would be fine to start with like you know you could have a character who starts off not caring but then sort of like oh no now i care about these these people or these apes and i'm going to help them fight their fight or, or whatever but he doesn't make it out with them yeah he doesn't uh so yeah that's, that's my that's my big complaint from the open is that his choice here just feels like because a lot of movies do that where they'll have a character who'll go against orders but you kind of understand why and like sympathize mm-hmm. why they're breaking the rule or why they're, you know, it's like, okay, they're going against doors, but they're doing it to save someone who could be saved. But he's going after this monkey uh, or, or this chimp or whatever. Uh, in, in the storm, they can't even see it anymore. And it's like, you're just, this is like, you're just going out to die. This is like a, almost a suicide mission. You're being cocky yeah. and nothing really, justifies this. He really yorded really up, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> he gets the your award <laughs> for destroying effectively a civilization the civilization uh-huh. being his station his space station <laughs> was that a space station or a ship it looked like a station but i guess it was moving around I think it looks yeah the design of it looks like a station but it has like pods in it yes so i, I guess i mean a space station could have pods yeah i don't know I don't think it really matters. Ultimately, it's irrelevant. They seem like they're going to be there for a while. Well, I mean, the nuclear battery lasts for thousands of years, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, very quickly, he runs into some humans that are running around away from apes, and he gets caged. 
uh all of the all the fighting when the apes are like attacking the humans or later on when there's like a proper like war battle it's all kind of dull it's all kind of just there's there's no real weight to any of the fighting it just kind of feels like fluffy movie fighting uh but it gets taken into like town into the city and they you know, they try to go out of the way to make this feel a bit more like a city uh i i guess the one little detail well i i like it kind of i i I wouldn't like this if it popped up in a more serious movie, but I did kind of chuckle at one point when he's running to the city later, and there's, like, a group of, like, greasers, like the apes <laughs> that have got leather jackets on. They're, like, smoking out of a bong. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, I thought they were drinking booze, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I saw a bong there. I mean, maybe it's booze, but it looked like a... Like it had the... The bong shape, like you know, the evil bong. You've seen that film. I'm familiar with the shape, yes. Because <laughs> they're all like giggling and stuff too. Yeah. Sure, Apparently, sure. one of those apes is Rick Baker. I, I noticed there's a lot of cameos for some of the small, ca- you know, ape characters. Uh, also, uh, when when Wahlberg's caged and he's being brought to the city, um, the female that's next to him is Linda Harrison. Who played Nova in the original? Mm. Is it just all credit as Nova? Because there's a credit as Nova, uh, but obviously that's not, you know, our love interest. No. No. Okay, who's Nova in this thing? Because there was definitely, I'm sure I saw a Nova on the, the cast list. Nova. Lisa Marie plays Nova. Nova. Oh, Vampira. From Edward. Oh, I guess, yes. Yes, sure. Yeah, she's in a bunch of uh, Tim Burton movies, yes. So yeah, she's a very... Right. I didn't recognize her in this at all. She's probably playing an ape, so <laughs> you probably wouldn't have. Done. Maybe, or she was just in a crowd and I was distracted at my phone because... Movie was born. That's what this movie did. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really... Especially this next section, right? At least the intro's got all the intro stuff. See, mm-hmm. once he's like in the, the cages and then Paul Giamatti sells him to... Uh, Car, Helena Bonham. I'll just say Ari because it's our name's too goddamn long. Uh, <laughs> Burton wife. <laughs> I'm not married anymore, yeah. but but you know whatever. Uh, Burton wife. Uh, so she's sympathetic to humans. She doesn't want them to be mistreated, and we see just how mean everyone else is to the humans, hitting them and looking down at them, and so on and so on. And it seems like humans are. I mean, we saw this before. Humans are used as like you know servants and things like that. So. Um, she buys Mark Wahlberg, uh, who does whisper in her ear, help me, because, you know, he sees enough of her, like, being nice and talking good things about humans that he's like, oh, help me, please, help me. Uh, but that's the thing, this is not special, like, I I know you could say, oh, they're doing things differently, but in the original, him saying something was, like, what made him special to the other characters. It was like, oh, he's important because he can speak, so instantly he's... Whereas in this, he's, there's not really anything special about him, except for the fact that he just happens to have a drive to do something. <laughs> like, that. that's kind of it. Yeah, that's really... I mean, even Wahlberg says to Ari, like, why why you, why you, have you selected me? Like, what's so special about me? And she's like, I don't know, you're different. And it's it, like, is he, though? It kind of... Okay. I, I think that's why it feels more like just a weird romance thing, because there's no, like specific thing so it must just be the oh no she's like oh look at those eyes bright eyes <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, but see, it's from this portion of the film, because there's like a long dinner scene with the apes that just felt like it went on forever to me. Well, this is like one of the parts where they're trying to bring in all the themes and the politics and the, uh, uh, look, we tried to be like Earth and we made the same mistakes and now we just, this could be, this could be Earth's future. It's funny. I actually, very quickly, I said, wait, why are they all speaking English? This makes no sense. And then that's when I guessed, like, the the big reveal was going to be that they, they evolved from like his ship like they came from his people mm. and that's why they all speak english um obviously there's a bit more to it than that later on i mean I, well actually at, at that moment i thought they evolved from the monkey who or sorry the, the chimp who went through first yeah um, obviously i did too the, i was thinking that also one of the things it plays with though is that this is a like it's a bit of a, a roulette wheel in terms of time where when you get come spitting out you might go into the past the future the present so they all come in different periods so uh, obviously it turns out the ship actually arrived thousands of years ago and it's the ship that everyone evolved from uh, which you know we'll, we'll get to all that but uh, yeah this, this dinner scene just goes on and it's establishing that you know Tim Ross a little angry incel like chimp uh, <laughs> it's establishing that David Warner who's Thingy's father like he's kind of understanding and wise but a bit of a coward and doesn't really stick up for anyone um, we get a lot of like the high society ape who's like talking about her getting her hair done and uh, flirting with her husband and just all that. Yeah, weird... we get a little bit of ape foreplay. This was all super like this was the stuff that appealed to Tim Burton was like, oh, we can do like more stuff with like ape society where they're acting like humans and it's going to be quirky and weird and mm-hmm. like I'm like this is the stuff that he was like and there's not even really that much of it but this this part of the movie this like twenty minute chunk is really concentrated with it, uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I don't I mean I don't hate it because like I like the. Uh, it gives it something a bit interesting in my mind like to see ape society and how it is like learning about the politics and stuff isn't all that bad i think no no conceptually there's (laughs) nothing wrong with that and there's also nothing wrong with seeing more of apes functioning just in like okay what what is a dinner with with these characters in this world like there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. the problem is is that none of the characters are interesting none of the writing's interesting or engaging so it ends right. up being I a mean, really... the first film we have like the in the original film i should say we we have like the we we learn a lot about the ape culture and how it is different and how they have like different class systems and sex and the you know everything's really run by the orangutans here this just seems like uh it's, it's all, all sort it's of a, mishmash it's and... a lot more it's a lot more vague and i, I think that, i think the key point is uh is this shows a lot more, but it doesn't actually necessarily say a lot more. And uh, and that's the other problem I have with this dinner scene is, you know, as I said that, yeah, okay, we're, we're, we're spending time seeing more of these apes function in a world uh, that is just their own, and that's fine. The problem is, is that without the good writing and ideas to, like, carry it, that's all it is, though, is seeing them at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't get me wrong, technically, yes, things are set up in this scene. It establishes how... Ari feels about humans and like the conflict she has with uh, the bad guy. Like there are things in the scene that are set up for later, but it it's just setting it's just, up. Yeah, more it's stuff. just 
it's just not that entertaining. It's just kind of dull. It feels like you're just kind of waiting for stuff to happen. And I think part of the problem with it as well is that Mark Wahlberg, obviously he's tied up and he's sold, right? But once he's at the house, it's not like he like immediately tries to make a break or it would be fun maybe if he started looking around and started like planning, like, okay, what are my escape routes? What do I need to like to have a chance of like surviving and getting to where I need to go to get like my tech back from my ship or or what? Because that's ultimately his plan right now is to get to his like devices that are in his crash ship, and you know maybe that could be what it's about. It's him biding his time, waiting for his opportunity, looking for whatever he can use, making a plan. Maybe getting the other humans to help. Maybe that could be part of it because he can't do it on his own. Maybe it's too hard to to break out. But it actually feels really kind of easy and simple and it just kind of feels like he all of a sudden just decides to do it like after the dinner party he's like all right i'm off i'm leaving mm-hmm. you can come with me or don't it's the, you know there's like no struggle to it so yes. there's no like drive or like like uh, thrills about it or anything like that it just kind of feels really blah it's just, just just happening uh, and that's like <laughs> my bigger problem comes next like i you're gonna hear me rant about the next thing that i want to yell about uh would you like to add anything on that that <laughs> well i know we're, we're sort of past the scene already but like no, there you go. the um well this is from earlier the um like the introduction of the apes i thought was a bit odd just because like you know when they're introducing the humans um in their tribes and stuff and they're they're not talking even though they can talk they choose not to talk it's very like a conscious effort to like keep the mis- mystery going like What's it going to be like? Oh, they're not talking because they don't talk in the Planet of the Apes world. And then they do decide to talk. And the first one is Chris Christopherson. And he says no, which I guess is kind of a thing. I, I, I mean, it doesn't really parallel anything in the no the old ones. It does do, with the new do, do, do trilogy, The funny but... thing is about that is, though, is that it kind of feels like they made the movie for people who had seen the original and would be looking for the differences rather than mm-hmm. making a movie that works on its own. That's what that feels like. Well, yeah, but also, like, you think they were going to do that with the apes, too. Like, they were going to keep everything in shadow, because you can kind of see them in the background. Like, they just look like regular apes going through the trees. And it would be, like, this big reveal. But instead, it's just, like, one ape just kind of pops up in the middle, and you're like, oh, that's what they look like. They're here. Yeah, it's, it's a nothing <laughs> moment. Know. Yeah, yeah. Come on, think, think about that original film. And, not, and this is not that it has to match, but think about what that movie does with its techniques to build to yeah, the reveal. Build up there's, there, there's a lot of time of those three characters walking through a desert and like you know cliff faces and looking for water and yeah, like swimming and then, naked in pools and they run into humans eventually and then eventually they hit the apes and it's like everything builds 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 the apes kind of like it's actually shockingly quick how we get we get to these apes once he's mm-hmm. on that planet it feels like it's kind of rushing through some of the like the the intrigue and so like like the intrigue's just not there and on top of that, like, and this is a really good comparison point for Rise of the Planet of the Apes, actually, and uh, because uh, they they do the same thing here, where they use the famous line where, uh, or they, they flip it where the ape says to Mark Wahlberg or one of the humans, mm-hmm. you know, get your, you know, your damn dirty hands off me, or get your hands off me, you damn dirty human, or something, you know, it's, it paraphrases the line from the original, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting watching this, having seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes, where they used like a callback to that line in such a perfect way that not only was like the dose of like like adrenaline nostalgia of like hearing the line but they used it to advance the plot in a really smart way so it felt like it had a purpose beyond just the reference right so it it, it was the rare one of those rare occasions where it used something for a callback 
that works for the audience who know the reference, but it actually still advanced things. So it's got a double excellence for people who get it, and for, for people who don't, the line still works. Whereas here, when the, the ape just says it, it's, it just it feels like forced. It's like, oh, we need to get the reference out quickly. Come on, tw- get the reference out so we can get on with the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of sucks. But Yeah, so... After the escape, and Ari comes with them, uh, along with her, like, bodyguard dude, uh, Shang Tsung. Krull. Krull, there you go. Uh, He's got uh, a pretty easy name to, re- to remember. True, 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 true. Krull's, Krull's a good name. I can't deny that. <laughs> but they, um, they go to the, the cages where the other humans are and break them out. And they have a bit of a quick debate about where to go and, like, everyone seems to want to follow Mark Wahlberg. Obviously, the other apes like, "Hey, no, we can't follow him. Think about this, uh, my lady." And she's like, "No, we're going because I'm I'm horny for human." Okay. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so, but this is the thing I wanted to complain about, though, is that they actually say as they're as they're leaving, I think her place, the palace, or maybe when they're leaving the cages, there's a line in here about, "Oh, okay, you know, we, you know where to go and where not to go." So you can help get around and out, out of the city. You, you've got a secret place you can get, get us out. Because she, she mentions that she used to sneak out into the forest as a kid or something like that. And I'm like, okay, so obviously they want to try and not be seen. <sighs> For some reason, this journey outside of the city involves going through multiple people's bedrooms... And I cannot fathom or understand this in any way, shape, or form. It's, <laughs> it's basically just an excuse to have a montage of comedy scenes where different apes react and, you know, like, oh, there's people in my bedroom. Like, like we get we get the, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote sexy ape with her husband and, like, she's doing, like, a dance for him and they run through their bedroom and I'm like, what is this weird slapstick comedy section? And why are they going through bedrooms? They're trying to be sneaky and stealthy. Why is this the stealth? Like, running through people's houses is the stealthy option? Yeah, it's very strange. (laughs) I'm baffled. I'm baffled, Tara. Baffled. (laughs) Yeah. And then don't they also have to, like, set off a a flare or something to to escape also? Maybe that's later. No, that's later. Um, That's with the army, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's just a bunch of, like, set pieces so that they can have um, little comedic moments for a bunch of different people. Yeah, um, so one ape's like combing or combing his hair, and another one's like. Well, another one's like the. I guess the bigger one is like the other than the the whatever sexy scene that was supposed to be for for, for the, <laughs> the apes. The, cre- the, uh, the, the creepy scene for the furries. Oh yeah, the, yeah, the little girl who had bought a. a oh, sorry, the 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 kid ape who had bought a a little girl human mm-hmm. in a cage as a pet so they, yeah. they save but it's like like why, why are you running through a house where you would run into this <laughs> i just it's weird like may, maybe if they like set up some weird thing where like ah oh, like you know like the houses aren't built like they are in human worlds where it's like no no it's, it's basically one big structure and there's just rooms and stuff yeah. maybe it could have been kind of explained or something but there is nothing to justify any of this shit <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible so sneaky uh, so they, they get out to the forest and where his uh, his little pod crashed in the water it's, it's very uh, Empire Strikes Back it's like it's like a little Dagobah it looks, yeah it does look like Dagobah it's all very you know murky muddy yeah uh, swampland 
And the villain, Tim Ross' character, said he actually kills a couple of gorillas because they they say that they sh- saw something fall out of the sky. So he, he's like, oh no, no one can know about this because no one can know that he's special or that he came from somewhere else or that humans can be more than they are. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to keep the status quo. But Mark Wahlberg gets a little doohickey, a little tracker thing that's sending out a signal and it's like, okay, now the ship will come and pick him up. I'm like, okay, can they do that? Okay. Uh, but it's like, no, there's, there's a there's a ping. Like, there's a place to go. They're here already. So, like, oh, we'll go. It's like, and immediately this was kind of frustrating to me. And maybe it's just because I've seen a lot of movies or whatever. I don't know. But it had that aura immediately of, this is clearly not what you think it is. And when mm-hmm. you get there, it's not going to be true. It's going to be something else. There's going to be a swerve. And it's one of those tried and kind of like just cliched plot devices at this point that it just kind of is a little bit tiring where I'm like, okay, right. Wait, you know, <laughs> sure. The, the I cake, wasn't expecting it to be there for thousands of years. Yeah. The cake is a lie. Like, well, well yeah. I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be like them there and ready to take him away. Yeah, because, I mean, he tries to communicate before and it just wasn't happening mm-hmm. yeah uh the, the big thing here though mechanically in the film is that he there's a gun like there's like a little like you know kit with like you know rations first aid kit and a gun right so it's like you know if you land somewhere hostile you've got some supplies and self-defense mm-hmm. so he pulls out this gun and he's able to like hold off uh paul giamatti who's doing you know try because he because they had to like take him with them because otherwise he would go and turn them in so and he sort of fires at them and they're all like ooh again ah. they're, like, they're all freaking out about mm-hmm. this it's like, it's like a proper laser blasters it's like something like not Kirk would use because they have phasers but it's it's not something in between yeah um, and it's like okay alright so they've established that he has this weapon that no one else has and that this gives him like maybe an advantage over any of the apes who might come after him this is something you can sort of revolve if you've only got one gun in your whole movie right if you've only got your one Chekhov's gun then you can do a lot of things with that mechanically in the story where it becomes this thing that, you know, gives an advantage to someone in a scene. It does. So I thought it was really weird that Shang Tsung just immediately grabs it out of his hand and smashes it and says, you could use that against apes. And then they just keep walking. Is this before or after the scene we get with Charles and Heston? So Heston played uh, Thade's father, right? Yeah. Right. I, I don't Who's know. Who's dying and... Yeah. Gives a secret about how actually humans used to be more advanced on mm. our planet, and then um, but they were dangerous. And he smashes the vase and pulls out a gun and says, "The danger is from the gun," which is hilarious coming from Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> you can pry out my cold dead hands, and then he does die in the scene. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so I suppose that that remains true. Uh, yeah, uh, and I guess it makes sense that that one doesn't work, you know, because it's you know been sitting there for thousands of years, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. But it, it just, I don't. Know, it felt like like a missed opportunity to have this gun play a bigger role in the film. And eventually, there is another one from the other pod, which we'll get to. But it, it did feel like you could have used that to make scenes interesting. The idea that this is this is like some sort of advantage that he now has, like. This would effectively mm-hmm. give him a super... Pro- I mean, right, because the apes are all stronger. They, yeah, they're all physically strong and faster. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're running around. Like, it's almost like um, you could have used this as a really interesting... And I, I don't know, I'm going to like highbrow with this to try and like give this a better story, but if you only have one character with a gun and all of a sudden he's able to kind of try and take control with it, 
you could use that to talk about firearms or you could use that to talk mm-hmm. about uh, power or how people can use and abuse it or like there's a lot of things you could do with that idea if there's only yeah, him with one the gun. gun seemingly doesn't need doesn't require ammo like it's just yeah yeah some sort of laser hybrid it, it's got a little mini nuclear reactor or something i don't know <laughs> little something mini one. like that little teensy weensy teensy weensy nuclear <laughs> reactor um but you know i like that's you know it's it felt like immediately it threw away something that was a like almost about to make the characters have something to fight about and in, in, in an interesting way where this could potentially because because you see shang Tsung kind of looking at him at first and it's like he isn't like this he hasn't like he has something that could kill him easily mm-hmm. uh and that power struggle and the challenge of that power struggle could be interesting for them to explore and i guess you're technically exploring it by have him immediately <laughs> take it out of his hand and destroy it but yeah or even if like you know mark Wahlberg decides to destroy the gun himself you oh, know yeah. making a statement about it or, or yeah maybe he does that at the end say like he's right. to sort of say no we're, we're all equal here and smashes the gun and says you know after the fighting and after they've kind of like <laughs> after they've used the gun <laughs> <laughs> well he ends up using a giant ship and a nuclear reactor as a gun a big gun yes <laughs> yeah essentially um, or one of those big air cannons <laughs> yeah oh dear um the next chunk of the film, I, I I can't even describe it really. It's just them walking about and talking. Uh, they they have a forbidden zone, just like in the first film. Yeah, yeah, brown sector. Which uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they still have like the scarecrow or the scare humans of the mm, uh, yeah, of the yeah, apes. Yeah. Like they still make those, but like the humans are smart, so they're not going to be like, ooh, shaped like ape <laughs> must must run away. <laughs> Like the humans are smart in these in this universe, so like why the apes are so dumb to make this. The, the best way I can describe the changes that they made is that they made some changes for the sake of being different, seemingly, but didn't think about how that would affect other parts of the mm-hmm. world around it. So then all, you have these weird inconsistencies that you talk about, like like the humans aren't that dumb. Like yeah, maybe they're yeah. not as smart as the apes. But they're not going to think that's an ape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Although, to be fair, it doesn't feel like they are dumb, though. It, it does just kind of feel like, no, the apes are stronger and faster, and there's enough mm-hmm. of them that humans are just the ones that are fighting from below. Subjugated, yeah. But, uh, yeah, kind of weird. Um, but okay, fine, sure, right? Uh, eventually, they have to cross it. We're introduced to a new rule in this movie, is that the apes are all scared of war, and... They can't swim. They can't swim. Is it just because of the opposable thumbs, or... I don't know. I actually made me wonder. I didn't look it up, but like, is this a real thing? Like, are apes like not a water? <laughs> like, admittedly, in this movie, they're scared to even go to the edge of like a river. When I feel like a real ape would probably still go up to the edge and drink out of it <laughs> or something mm-hmm. <laughs> without caring. <laughs> but maybe, yeah, maybe apes are scared to get into the water. Maybe this is based on some kind of real thing. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of ever seeing anything of with a, an ape swimming. That's true. I can't think of... I mean, I mean, obviously we can think of dogs doing it. Dogs obviously are known... Not all dogs, but a lot dogs. of dogs can swim. Kitty cats. And anything with flippers. Cats can swim? Seriously? Yeah, I think kitty cats swim. I, I've never seen a cat swim. I've seen a, I've seen a cat basically be Jesus and just sort of skip across a pool. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, damn, that cat's got superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, yeah, there's a whole thing uh, where they, they have to get past like, the army that's been chasing them, or the, and they're all camped next to this river. And the big idea is, okay, we have to cross the river, so we're going to steal their horses, and we're going to ride across. There's a big fight scene with them after uh, Wahlberg fires a flare into the air, which, of course, makes them go, Ooh, what's... Ooh, is it late? Ah, what is late? And, it's a um, sign from Simu? Jojo, that's made me think of, and it, it's not that weird to me that this only came out two years after this. And I'm not just saying this because the guy from The Mummy's in it, but this made, really made me feel like some of the stuff in The Mummy. You know The Mummy, when they're getting off the boat and they, they were fighting over the camels and... All that. Mm-hmm. I was getting a lot of similar vibes from this scene of the movie for some reason. And it is a bit of an adventure in the desert, so I guess, like... May, may, I mean, hell, maybe this was even greenlit in a weird way of, like, oh, this can be, like, Foxy's mummy. You know, Universal had a hit with the yep. mummy. Can we turn Planet of the Apes into a mummy-esque movie? Like, maybe that's... Let's get Tim Burton. <laughs> get Tim Burton. Um... So the big thing here, though, is that uh, they lose one of the horses, and Wahlberg and Ari, he's like, "Look, we're just gonna have to swim. Just hold on to me, and I'll, I'll get us across. Don't worry about it." So it's this big trust exercise, and she's terrified, and he's swimming. Uh, and for a second, I thought there was like, like I, I knew they couldn't swim, but I, I forgot like how scared she got originally when they got near water, because I was like, mm-hmm. "Why, why are they all just letting them go?" And I was, like, "Oh yeah, they're scared to go in the water, so they, they all just kind of stop and like, ah, damn you." Damn you, human! <laughs> <laughs> we can't go in the war. If only there were vines they could swing across or <laughs> <laughs> jump on some trees. I mean, do, do, do you not? Can you not like get? Do you have a boat or a raft or something? Like, do you not go anywhere <laughs> where there's water ever? Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying I want a high tech thing with an engine. I'm just saying a little. Yeah, just get some floaties. Yeah, the things you. That children wear around their arms. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> we call them? Let's call them armbands. I think here, just armbands. I think they're like floaties or floaters or something. A f- no, a floor. A floor is a shit. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they find the big ship, right? But it's like ancient it's derelict you know this is like this is like ruins so yeah it's like the skeleton of a ship so it's kind of you know it's like there's things that kind of harken back to the original and you know there's the cave in the original with the remains that you know said certain things Uh, so they get (laughs) which also had a really good battery didn't it that 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 that, that toy (laughs) well it was a uh it was was one of the ones you pulled the string on the back i don't think they use batteries okay i still i don't know if i buy that you know, the thousands of years that are supposed to have passed if that would st- the mechanics of that would still be functioning as well as it <laughs> did to make the noise but okay uh, whereas we get into the ship though and like the hand scanner for the door still works it opens the door the computer's all turned on and he does have a line he's like oh they had like a nuclear thing so it's you know, this may have power forever I'm like okay but th- there's having power and then there's all of the equipment itself deteriorating over a thousand years of of exposure. Yeah, that place should probably be like a Chernobyl. That's why it's the Forbidden Zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was like a sort of distress, which they did tease at the start. Like I think when they were they got like a message from the future at the start. Like the the captain was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe." Like, but we get the rest mm-hmm. of the call here, and it turns out that Mark Wahlberg got everyone killed because it, they crashed on this planet looking for him, but they get sent much further back in time. 
And it sounds like everything was fine except the one chimp. <laughs> the one chimp who is the direct ancestor of Thade. Because it's been passed down generation to generation to Thade, all, all the secrecy. But he, he got all the other chimps, I guess, to help kill the humans and take over. Uh, well, we not kill all of them, because clearly there's the human descendants. Because we have... Because I presume there was no humans or apes on this planet at all before mm-hmm. the ship crashed. So that's the, the backstory that's set up. And... I mean, Mark Walt... What, what, a, what a screw-up this guy is. This is, like, monumental. It's because it's not like in the original plot the apes Charlton Heston finds the Statue of Liberty and goes, "Oh no, this is my fault! I I I killed her! Oh no! You maniacs!" <laughs> Whereas here, Mark Wahlberg quite rightly is like, "Oh, I've made a huge mistake." <laughs> yeah, it's a Joe Bluff moment. <laughs> why did we? Why did we experiment on apes? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind this. It, it seems to be like the, because the, the chimp, U- Ulysses, I don't remember his name. Ulysses is the name of the one from Rocket Man. It's probably the same <laughs> chimp, actually. <laughs> because he goes through and then Marky Mark goes through and then the ship goes through much later. So, like, each one that goes through, like, goes back further in time, and the time is a lot, it's a oh, lot okay. more distance. Okay, okay, I can see it. Which, would, I guess, is how, like, also, the, the twist is supposed to make sense at the end. We'll talk about that. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I took it as more of a roulette wheel, but you, could, you technically you're right. Yeah, technically, because, because the first chimp shows up later... It yeah. does imply that each time someone went back further. So I guess technically that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were like seconds apart. Yeah. Which is why, relatively speaking, they're quite close together. Because, you know, Mark Wahlberg's been here for like, what, a few days? A week, maybe, at most? To the time that, yeah. the chimp comes up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the big ship presumably maybe spent a, an hour before it came in. And then that went back thousands of years. You got some mm-hmm. time. This is like the Hell Dimensions on uh, the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where there's a time difference. Where if you spend a week in hell, you're actually there for years, and like, or it'll, it'll be a week in real life, but in hell you'll be spending, you know, a century or thousands of years there. And when you come back, it'll just be a week for everyone else, but you've went through an eternity in pain and misery. Much like Tara when I make these Buffy references. <laughs> Boy, you know me so well. <laughs> I do it in good fun, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, you're popping on the inside. You're like, yeah, he did it again. <laughs> I don't watch Buffy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's not the point. It's, it's the joke of me doing it. It's not that you get the reference. Uh, yeah. It's a calling card, okay? Yeah. Okay. Like, Mark Wahlberg has some, you know, call your mother for me. or Say hi to your mother Say hi to your mother for me, right? <laughs> I, I've got hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer references. This is my thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, <laughs> for, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's like okay, we just have to stay and fight. Like Mark Wahlberg goes through like t- 
10 seconds of like not knowing what to do and then he's like well i guess i'll just help everyone fight the apes and like this should really be more of an existential crate like he should feel like he just get hit with the the most traumatic news of his entire life that he's never going back to earth that everyone mm-hmm. he knew in that ship is dead and that it's all his fault <laughs> like he should be in a, like a, a catatonic state with the right, shock yeah. that he's just been hit with <laughs> but two minutes later he's like oh i guess we'll try and fight then <laughs> like oh all right okay no water off your back i suppose uh I'm just yeah. getting off your back. Uh, the, what's the, what's, what's the, the scene? fighting scene is is okay. Like I think the scene is is alright. It's a big epic battle with like big speeches and it's it, like it's okay for the time. I'd, I'd say it's more exciting than like the battle for the planet of the apes was. Sure, <laughs> the, it, that fight scene. It's more epic in theory. Like it, like it's trying to yeah. be epic. It's going for epic. And, and you know, in reality, I, did, I I enjoyed the scene where they turn on the spaceship thing and then the. All, you see all the apes go flying well, and stuff from a distance. I enjoyed the shot from the because from because it's almost like like a Braveheart scene where you've got like the the most of the army still far back, but they send in the, the first wave uh-huh. of infantry, and they they're all hiding behind the ship and they've rigged it and Wahlberg rigs it to sort of blow up. And I did like the way shot where it was literally raining apes for like yes. a brief moment in time. <laughs> that was a fun moment. I do hate. That that freaking kid had to go out there, and it was, and then his horse like died or something, and, <laughs> and just wouldn't move, and so Marky Mark had to go rescue him in the nick of time. That, that, um, and, then like a, and then the horse was okay; like the yeah. horse just gave up for a moment. This kid is like a nothing character as well. Like he, he you know, yeah. he's, he's he wants to help, but Mark tells him to not help because he's a kid, and then he get almost gets himself killed. Mark Wahlberg saves him, and then that's basically yeah like that's 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 the whole thing um in the nick of the time before the explosion uh, yeah so uh, yeah, uh, uh, the fight is mostly kind of dull though like after the explosion it's mostly dull i mean i did kind of i mean i don't know if this was meant to be funny but i did kind of laugh a little bit how after the explosion like the they all wait for like a minute to sort of let the dust clear a little bit and they sort of see that a lot of the apes are lying down or still moving a little bit so it sort, of, it sort of treats this moment like a big hurrah where they all run out and just they bash all them just to death. They just start using <laughs> blunt force trauma. <laughs> like, this is really brutal and savage. You're running out and just it's beating really, people in the head it, with yeah, rocks. Yeah, it's really brutal. <laughs> but it made me laugh because it was just like, it wasn't, the movie wasn't treating it like that though. It was treating like it like who, a... Who's the real apes now? <laughs> it was treating it like a, hooray, humans got a victory. Like, no, this is savage. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. <laughs> Um, so they're all fighting. Big fight scenes happening. None of the important characters die, right? Every, everyone who is like remotely recognizable is safe. Um, but then <laughs> the first chimp <laughs> and his little pod comes down, and this this and he does reference it in a line actually a little bit. So I'll give them props for calling it out a touch. But I was mm-hmm. laughing hysterically that Mark Wahlberg crashed on this planet like Luke on Dagobah. The the big ship crashed on this planet in a big fiery mess. The chimp lands his pod <laughs> by the book. <laughs> he lands it perfectly without a scratch on it. I know. <laughs> I mean, we saw in the beginning that they sent. They didn't want to send Mark Wahlberg. They wanted just to send the chimp. We'll call it the chimp's better at the job. Yeah, <laughs> they weren't going to say it to Mark Marky Mark's face, but yeah, clearly. 
See, see if this movie was actually about some like self-entitled douchebag who thought it was important but isn't and tried to actually tell a story where he realized that it's, it's kind of yeah. like what the first movie is honestly the original I, 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 you know what it kind of is you're right yeah, yeah. we talked about it. yeah you're right uh that would be interesting that would be like a, a direction to take it'd be similar to perhaps to heston's arc in the first movie but you know it, it would be something but he doesn't realize anything he doesn't grow in this movie <laughs> but nope. I, they all look up at it like it's an angel coming from this, and all the apes which by the way they did not set up that the apes have this prophecy enough to like i, I was like so confused i'm like why are they all kneeling and, uh, and then like one of them's like oh the prophecy's true so and so is like come down from the stars and i'm like what the hell are you talking did i like miss an entire act of exposition talking about some prophecy what are you talking yeah, about yeah i think it's mentioned um by um ari no Ari, what's her name? Is that right? Ari Aster. <laughs> Ari Aster. <Yeah. laughs> okay, by by Ari. Um, <laughs> that sounds wrong. What is it? Was well, Ari or Ari? It's A R I, right? Okay, pr- okay, okay. Pronounce it however you want. <laughs> I was just trying to be consistent with the way you were pronouncing it. <laughs> I mean, she brings it up like, oh. When they're talking about the Forbidden Zone, she brings up like ancient prophecies and like a uh, myth to her, but like some people still believe it, or some apes, I should say, still believe it. What are you laughing about? I don't know why, but Forbidden Zone just sounds like such a euphemism. The Forbidden Zone? That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm seeing like a, a sci-fi themed like porn cover. It just says Forbidden Zone and like someone's just sort of like, you know, bending over and like making a goofy face. <laughs> Stand by for docking. All right. Uh, so. <laughs> Not amused. Yeah. For the audio listeners, I got such a look there when I said that. Uh, worth it. So. We. <laughs> We have this angelic entrance of the chimp, and this gives Mark Wahlberg another gun. Uh, he also, like, you know, he, he goes up and, like, you know, gives the thumbs up to the chimp because he's friendly with this one, and they hold hands, and it's like a sweet kind of reunion, and everyone's like, oh, and they're all like in awe of it. Uh, but of course, Thade, or villain, by you know, played by Tim Roth, he, he's not happy about this, so he actually ends up, like, going to fight. Mark Wahlberg, they end up running into the ship and into like a cave kind of area. Uh, Thade gets the gun at one point. They sort of fight after it. So this was kind of doing what I I, I thought they should have played more into when the first gun was introduced is like sort of mm-hmm. treat this as like some sort of like fight for the technology. Uh, how powerful is one gun if it's the only gun that exists kind of thing. Um, there's not enough. I mean, there's not enough of it and the fight's just kind of whatever. And at this point, I'm like, I'm so ready for the movie to end. Like, I'm so ready. Uh, but he ends up, you know, we set up the door that, you know, he can open and close with his hand, with a hand scanner. So he, they lock Fade, or Thade, sorry, not Fade. Fade. Thade Ralta. <laughs> they lock Thade in the part of the ship, and it's like a bulletproof glass, so he tries to fire the, the weapon, and it's just ricocheting around. I thought he was going to shoot himself, to be honest. Like, yeah, accident. me too. Uh, and the music was kind of doing that thing where it's like, oh, he's going to kill himself. And it's like, Mark Wahlberg's like, hey, I've got that pod, which apparently is good enough to fly all the way back to Earth on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, sure. <laughs> it feels like a, a short range. because the chimp didn't wreck it, so... <laughs> well, yeah, but you, 
usually those pods would just be like a short range thing where they're not designed Plus for long travel. Yeah, you're already in space, so you don't have to worry about like too much, uh, too much fuel. Yeah, but getting fact- off a planet would take a lot. Yeah, this can lift off though. This has like a, a rocket, <laughs> like propel kind of lift off, which I'm like, that's okay. I guess this well, has that. Well, maybe the smart ape did some upgrades while he was in the wormhole. <laughs> okay, come on. He's not that smart. He's smarter than Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> but he's not that smart. <laughs> that is established in the film, yes. Uh, but yeah, you can go back to Earth. So he has a heartfelt goodbye with people. Uh, he he does kiss Ari uh, on the lips, although he probably makes out it's with uh, the blonde, you know, with the sexy one. Also weird, because they had, like, no chemistry throughout the whole film. It was just like, hey, you're kind of hot, and then, like, everything was about uh, the monkey lady. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, she is hot, sure, and she's got, and by this point, she is, like, down to, like, a skimpy. She's so boring. Oh, no, she is. Like, she, she's, she has nothing. She has nothing going for her like character wise in this like there's yeah. no character uh and at, at, le- at least in the, the original film like nova not being able to speak meant there was a communication barrier which was interesting to explore and trying to communicate with someone who was less inte- less intelligent couldn't speak there was mm-hmm. an interesting kind of like him trying to like you know try and find a human he could bond with so it, it was like he was desperately trying to like like teacher and like try yeah. and like find that connection. I mean, sure, right? And plus, some kind of hope for the other humans that are on the planet. Yeah, also. yeah. He's looking for hope. I mean, you can, I mean, yeah. It's the creepy lens of like it is kind of like he's like seducing someone who's too too dumb to really like consent mm-hmm. to anything he's doing. But any situation, it's not. It's not much choice. Like, it's the, <laughs> <laughs> really, this is. Uh, it's either her or an ape. Like that. That's really his choices in this this moment um she doesn't seem to want to leave him no 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 i mean she seems into it right yeah that's, that's a fair point but you you could totally she looks you, like you, an adult yeah yeah she looks like an adult but i mean she's not really got the brain of like what is comparable to his intelligence <laughs> but sure. whatever but you know but that aside like you can sort of there's a lot of interesting elements in, as to why he's desperate to like, connect with her here like they barely interact there's a couple like she asks him like where he's from a couple of times you know Plus, she's, she sounds like, I mean, she sounds like just typical California girl yes. when she talks and stuff. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, she seems so out of place. Life's here so bad. The apes like, treat us like shit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, she's such a terrible character. Uh, but he properly makes out with her. Uh, and then he gets into his pod. He doesn't take the chimp with him. I guess he's like, ah, oh, you can be your kind, <laughs> chimp. You can stay with him. Uh, yeah, stay here and be their Jesus. Like, I think he'll be treated all right. Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, why yeah. not? Uh, uh, like, his, his heavy, his second-in-command, uh, uh, Atar, played by Michael Clark Duncan, he kind of, like, turns his back on him because he's too villainous and says, no, uh, you, you're full of shit. I'm going to work with all these other apes and people now uh, and we're going to mm-hmm. live in harmony. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and that's all neat and like obviously part of the film that didn't work for me just before we move on to the the last bit is uh you know there's a whole thing where like every, all the tribes show up and it's, this is very brave part this is like william wallace is like somehow like encouraged all the clans of planet of the <laughs> apes to show up and like fight <laughs> and he tries to tell him to all go home because he's a, he's a, he's a coward doesn't want to fight 
he's just going to leave. He has no interest in helping them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, changes his mind, so it's fine. Um, so he gets in the pod, and he goes back to it. And this is one of these things where you don't necessarily know exactly what it's going to do. But you know that, especially based on how the movie opened, where it was kind of, like, teasing you with, like, oh, maybe the humans can't speak. Oh, they can, because we're different, because we're a remake, and we can change things. You kind of yeah. felt like they're going to do a twist. You kind of felt it in your bones. I, I mean, I did at the very least. You know. Yeah, and you knew it couldn't be the same one because it definitely wasn't Earth. There's was two moons, at least two moons that you could see, if not more. No, that's the planet he was leaving. The, the Earth he yeah, went yeah. to was normal. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so, like, you oh, knew, yeah, that's you knew it couldn't be the same twist. Like, yeah. even from the beginning, you saw that there's multiple moons. Yeah. And plus, you know, by that point in the movie, they've established that, no, we know how they evolved here. We know where they came from. <laughs> we've, we've done all that. Um, and those ideas are fine, by the way. I, I just it was just overly choreographed. There was a certain point where between Heston's dying words and some of the other things, it was like, "How have you not realized this yet, Mark? Come on, get get up to it." Not now that he saw that scene with the, the what? old ape. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's fly, he's flying into like Earth, and he's in Washington, and air traffic control saying unidentified object you know and i i thought like i was like oh this kind of feels like present day rather than like the future of 2029 so maybe maybe yeah. when he came back through the portal he's ended up back in like present day 2000 2001 kind of era and that's going to be the little ending right but he, he lands in front of the washington monument and he's walking up the steps to the lincoln statue and immediately I'm like, oh my god, it's going to be an ape. Like you just you can f- you know it because yeah, it's the obvious like flip of the original's ending where it's another monument, right? So we we did Statue of Liberty in the original, so we have to do something with a monument as a twist. So sure enough, we do it with the Lincoln statue, the big memorial statue, and he gets in there, he looks up, and sure enough, and not only is it an ape, right? Because see, okay. If they just said he went through the wormhole and not only did it spit him out in whatever time period, it also spit him out into a different reality or whatever where Earth is all apes. Fine. But it's like, it's it says Thade. Thade Lincoln. Right? Mm-hmm. Is, is what it says on the memorial. And that's like, and I was like, wait, this is so random and bullshit. You wanted a big twist and the first thing I thought was, instead of just being like a time thing where, well, it was random, it was at least well established at this point in the movie that they were going through this this wormhole and landing on the planet in different times so it felt like a, a nice kind of a rule right it felt like it was baked in so him showing up back on earth at a random time period felt like it made sense maybe you could have had him land in the past land in the future land in or then present day whatever it may be this made it feel like no no he's actually just going through to alternate realities or he's going through to like weird other dimensions that said I was informed on Twitter, I was complaining about this as I was watching it, because of course I was, and I was informed that they did try, someone, you know, when the sequel didn't get made, they explained what, what this was. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it makes sense, still. I mean, at the timeline, mm. I think it makes sense. Well, okay, actually, just to wrap up, before I get to the expla- explanation of this, uh, the, the very end of the film is that a bunch of cop cars show up, and they're all apes, but they're in, like... Apes. In modern day cop uniforms, they've got cars, yeah, they've got like technology. They're driving Fords. So, so clearly <laughs> the the sequel was going to be present day Earth, Planet of the Apes, where it's just the present day with all the modern technology, which would have mm-hmm. been different at least. You know, it would have been a, a fresh thing to do. <laughs> but that that was the clue of the plan. So apparently, the explanation for this is that somehow Fade, sorry, Thade, keep saying Fade, Thade. <laughs> Bro- Sting. 
broke out of the ship, right? Got the pod that was crashed in the water that Mark Wahlberg fell in. Fixed it somehow. Was somehow able to fly it. And when he flew back through the wormhole himself, he got shot so far back in time that he ended up being the Lincoln in Earth's history. Uh, which is weird for a number of reasons. The first thing I thought of is, well, if this is directly him, this might be the statue, because it has to be his descendant. He had to have arrived much earlier and this be his descendant. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, like, there's, there's no society of apes for him to, like, be a hero to. Like, they're not, they're not smart. There, there has to be, like, uh, smart apes for him to, like, inspire and be the leader of for him to get a statue like this. So... Uh, well, perhaps our apes are already capable of being smart. So maybe after he was, you know... Maybe this this isn't, like, Fade the hero of the Civil War. Maybe this is Fade the hero of, like, the apes and all the monuments have been replaced with Fade. We don't really know exactly. Okay, I, I suppose it's true. We don't know. It's I, I'm assuming it's still from the same time period as the Civil War, but not the actual Civil War that, that happened. So. Well, I imagine since we see apes, like in cop cars that it would have had to have been a little while ago like there's generations here so but he could have still you know made uh maybe maybe the apes are capable of becoming smart like the ones that were on the spaceship you know eight years from today so oh he's been no that's i mean he definitely landed at least centuries ago like that like the entire society has been replaced mm-hmm. with apes he 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 is went around and Forbidden he's zoned. Yeah. yeah, he's forbidden zoned so many <laughs> female apes <laughs> that there's a lot of smart apes in society, right? That's what's happened. Yes. Well, on his planet, he was an incel, but on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, basically, on Earth, he was getting to do what Charlton Heston was doing. Yeah, with, he was the Charlton Nova. Heston. <laughs> yeah, he get he got to go around and just sort of like be the smart one to all the 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 regular dumb apes and be like, ooh, That's <laughs> so. Right that okay fine but that's just stupid like that, that i i i rolled my eyes so much at this <laughs> yeah. twist there's there's a bit of a what <laughs> moment that happened i remember i mean i i do remember the twist from watching it in the theater and, and i never thought about it afterwards because i'm like well that doesn't make sense yes but i did watch like a ending explain kind of video for this review it's like i really want to know what this means and and the way they they like you know did a little diagram of the way the time travel works. I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Okay, but but even even if you just go, okay, I'll admit maybe the time travel to a point makes sense based on the the rules of the movie, right? right? But like, how <laughs> how did he fix the ship? How did he fly it? Like, these are really valid questions that don't make any sense, right? Yeah, like they they don't even have cars on their world, and yet he was able to fix a spaceship. <laughs> maybe the spaceship was fine; it just needed to be taken out of the water. But they don't swim, so I mean, that, I'm sure that was tricky. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yes, they're deathly afraid of water. But so, what did he make some scuba equipment <laughs> and go into, the, <laughs> into the, the 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 swamp and get out the, the, the little pod? Maybe. Which was still clearly functioning. Completely. I, I, I just. I mean, he had he had time. Like he didn't go through the the wormhole like right away, so he had time to figure it out. I mean. Given that this is a, he doesn't even like they don't even have electricity, right? How long do you think it would take a creature who has no electricity to eventually get to a point where they can operate a spaceship? I don't know. I mean, 
Saru does it in uh, Discovery. <laughs> yeah, but he's shown to be like a genius. He's he's shown to be like a wunderkind. Like the second you know we see him and he he rose up being like super smart and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that. That's as well established. And I can't believe you're using Star Trek Discovery as a defense and the Planet <laughs> of the Apes remake of all things. Oh, yeah. Okay. What? Well, it's not a good movie. It's stupid. It's I hate twist. it. It's the worst thing. Pretend not ever, but like it's 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 in it's in, it's in a shitty tier. Yeah. Tim Burton is a crap filmmaker. Mark Wahlberg can't act, and it's a giant pile of shite. Monkey shite. I hate every ape I see, <laughs> from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. Well, you can't do that at the end now because you've used it already here. Well, I could, but I don't want to. I don't really do stuff at the end anymore. Yeah, well, that was your choice. It was. Tara made it very clear to me. No, no. I kept uh, showing up unprepared for it. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to do it. Something. There's so much material you could reference after this one. I think we're at ratings, though. We can, we can, we can rate this some bitch. I just. This ending annoyed me because it was like trying to be, ooh, look at our twist ending. And it felt, do you know what it felt like? This is actually a really apt comparison. Is it felt like one of the twists from the modern Twilight Zone show mm-hmm. versus a twist from the original Twilight Zone show where the twist felt well, natural yeah, and smart. Well, that's apt because, yeah. you know, Rod Serling and all. Yeah, and then this one felt like a sort of tactile. Like we have to have one more twist and it has to be ridiculous and make no sense and not feel <laughs> seedy in any way, shape, or form. Um, but okay, what are you rating it, Tara? What are you rating it? Come on. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I don't think it's the worst movie, but it's, when you compare it to a classic, you know, when you want to remake something, you got to have a reason to do it. And I think the, the movies that we get following this give us a reason for why this remake was terrible. And the movies that follow it, even the, the, the previous four sequels were all better than this. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> and I didn't love all of them. Like I, you know, I was a lot more critical than you and say on Battle, which I thought was kind of weak. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I like all of them genuinely. Yeah, but like it's much better than this, uh, honestly. Like mm-hmm. so, I think that <sighs> I'll give it a four point five interesting uh i am going straight to three out of ten city baby because that's <laughs> what this deserves uh you know i ain't gonna go lower because there is some you know high quality makeup effects on display that is for sure mm-hmm. um uh, and tim roth's pretty good in it i think there are some like actors, there are some actors voices that i don't mind hearing of course and, and like it obviously there's at least a certain level of production standard being such a big budget you know hollywood movie i will Wasn't say like a hundred million dollars or something i will say some of the cg is not aged well though i uh, see the moment at the end when the pod so it's not it goes into the 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 you know the water in front of the monument right it's like it goes through that but see when it hits the steps and there's the sort of the the debris and the smoke mm-hmm. that looked really bad like that that crash looked rough uh 2001, yeah. 2001, bad CGI. I was trying to say that like I was doing the movie title, but with a different, <laughs> a different sub. Uh, yes. Well, that's it. We did it. We did it. Yes, that's that's Planet of the Apes 2001. Rip the, the bandaid books. off. 
Uh, Tara's going to pose for the thumbnail. Uh, so... We still do this. Huh? <laughs> we'll never stop doing it. <laughs> Alright, so... Choose which character you would like to emulate from the film. I have no preference. Uh, three, two, one. Pose. Excellent. I like how especially your elbows right where my face will be uh, on the thumbnail. <laughs> um, yep. Good stuff. Uh, but yes. I can't block the movie poster. Oh, of course, of course not. That's the important part, isn't it? Um, now we do have something scheduled for next week. I've not learned it because we we just re- recently updated the schedules to fill in the next couple of months, and I don't I haven't learned it yet. So I'm going to tell you what is Rise. coming next week. Uh, it's not right. Rise is not coming for a little while. There's a little bit of a break. Uh, no, we're doing the uh, the Patreon vote winner next week, so we will be doing Contact, uh, the Jodie Foster movie from 1997. <laughs> 96? Maybe 96. Thereabouts. Spoiler. I like this movie. I am not spoiling anything. You'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out what I think about it next week. Uh, expect numerous comparisons to like two or three other movies. Yep. Maybe one that we did recently. <laughs> yes. 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 So... That is uh, what's coming up next week. Of course, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers uh, over from patreon.com slash TV. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordner, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. They are all patrons at the higher tier that gives them the producer credit. Uh, but you can support us for much less than that. Can they, Tara? That's right, Peter. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes for other shows we do. God, my cat's going nuts right now. <laughs> if you donate $5 per month, you will be able to vote on what we watch and get access to these reviews one day early. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so go and have a look over there if you if you wish. Um also worth mentioning as well uh screams after midnight is back uh with myself and tim so if you like the idea of uh, similar stale discussions for horror movies uh with myself and uh the the timster the goat lover the he is a goat lover <laughs> he is a goat lover though he loves goats <laughs> the, man, the man's batty about goats the goats are great they have you know rectangular pupils it's very demonic <laughs> weird Obviously, my favorite experience from Screams After Midnight is not even on the show itself. We did a German movie called Hegazusa, uh, which was about like a, a character who gets into witchcraft or something. And I just remember Tim tweeting before I watched the movie because he was watching it, and he said something to the effect of, "There's a scene in this movie that Peter's going to make fun of me for," and I didn't know what he was talking about. And I just sort of like, like, I was like, "Okay, I'll see what it is." And I watched the movie, and there's a scene where a woman milks a goat and starts to, like, get aroused herself while milking the goat. And he, he could see it coming. He could see it coming a mile off that I was going to just rip into him for that scene. I don't think I like this movie. <laughs> so, um, but he does make me watch shit like Leprechaun, which he 
loves somehow and uh, <laughs> pretends it's the greatest thing ever and then I uh, rip it to shreds. So uh, go, go check out Screams After Midnight if you wish. Uh, if you also, if you like me and Tara talking about sci-fi and you want like a long-form TV show style version of this, uh, we've been reviewing Babylon 5 for the last like two years. We're on season three. It's good fun and we enjoy the show. David Warner's in that show. David Warner was in an episode. That is true. And do you know what, do you know what Babylon 5 has it over? The Planet of the Apes 2001? Um, a lot. <laughs> what? A lot of things, but first on the list is Mark Wahlberg was never on Babylon 5, so that's a win right there. Yep. Say hello to your mother for me. One more time. You have to say it one more time. <laughs> I-, I hope people weren't taking shots every time Taris said, say hello to your mother for me. You'd be paralyzed by now uh thank you very much for joining us once again we always appreciate it keep watching science fiction remember to like subscribe ding the bell for notifications all those things help on youtube i usually said that earlier but i forgot so i'm doing it now thank you once again we'll see you next time in computer at salsa <laughs>